0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi Stephen Justin, I have a question. I've been contributing to a four oh three B and I don't feel super comfortable contributing to like a generic index at this time and I've learned can I take out the money it was a raw four oh three B, can I take out that money for a business?
1: And provides unbiased answers. No, that unfortunately you cannot. Uh, Unless you change jobs or the provider is changed. Another thing you can do is pressure HR department.
0: Invest Talk. Over 32 million downloads and counting. Your participation makes it unique. 888 99 Shark.
2: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, Independent Thinking, Shared Success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, October. October, August, excuse me, August sixteenth, twenty twenty one edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in, and as we enter the back half of the summer, as you know, we're 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 winding down. School starts pretty soon, uh, and we're soon we're going to be heading into the fall, and that's often the time of of market change, uh, and we're going to talk a bit about um, some changes happening underneath the surface of monetary policy this hour. But most importantly, I'm here to help you navigate the current market environment. And there's a lot of crosswinds, uh, something a situation that we've never dealt with in our lifetime. Uh, historically, you can go back and really uh, look at some past examples of uh, the way monetary policy has shifted uh, in times like these and what governments have done. Uh, and whether you like it or not, that's the that's the environment that we're in, and that's how we're operating. You have to operate for where the market and the economy is going, not to where you wish it would be going. Okay, and so when I'm talking on today's show, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success, and that means when I'm talking about the market as a whole. Uh, process explanations, individual stock commentary, whatever it is, I'm here to present it all without bias. Just give you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now I'm Justin Klein. and Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do, you get to shape the show. So why don't you do that right now and interact with us during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank, either way. That number never changes. 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, I was wondering what your opinion is on the Canadian fintech company, MoGo, M-O-G-O. Thank you. All right, looking at MoGo, Canadian company operates as a financial technology company and provides online lending. Uh, and, you know, this is... To me, one of the most over overhyped uh, areas of the market right now, from a valuation perspective. Uh, but this is also a name that has come down pretty dramatically. Fifty-two week high of what is that? Twelve dollars and twenty-nine cents. Now we're at five dollars and sixty-seven cents. But they lose money, and they're they don't look like they're going to make money anytime soon. Uh, they are really just shedding cash flow, negative twelve million last quarter. Although twenty twenty it was nice and positive, so that's good. Uh, but they're issuing a bunch of shares. Twenty nine million shares outstanding last year to forty five million today. So uh, really just eluding shareholders. Uh, I'm sure that has a lot to do with this recent drop, sixty plus percent from its or fifty four percent from its fifty two week high, and. That just overall, I just don't like the trend of the earnings, of the share count, of the chart. Just continue to make lower highs and lower lows, and I don't know personally much about the business, but it's a it's an online lending platform, and there's plenty of those, and I'm just not really a, a fan. So I'm gonna pass on Mogo, which is a Canadian fintech company. Now my focus point today is based on. The story behind this question, is the Fed getting ready to taper bond purchases in September? Yeah, September is just a couple of weeks away and growing inflation pressures at the wholesale level as well as unexpectedly positive economic data opens the door for the Fed to maybe have a shift in policy, which more and more Fed officials are talking about. Remember, this is just... Couple weeks ago, when the Fed didn't make any moves and actually had a statement that was relatively dovish, meaning they were worried about the Delta variant and the economic fallout, etc., but continuous economic numbers come in do support that inflation remains hot and likely will remain hot, as well as empl- employment data that continues to to beat, and that leaves the door open and so we're going to discuss that in more detail and what that might mean uh, for markets also let's dig into what shareholder votes and board seats are doing to companies and especially on the climate initiatives and what that means for uh businesses of all types uh, but especially energy ones and what that could mean for the economy, and markets as a whole. So we're going to get into that. Also, Tesla's autopilot system is now being probed by U.S. safety regulatory regulators. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and NHTSA, is looking into some of the issues with uh, Tesla's autopilot. So we're going to dig into that story. And then if we have time, executive stock sales are increasingly under scrutiny, and what does that mean? It's it's Those are interesting. Those last two are, are pretty big shifts from recent, I guess, hawkishness or lack of hawkishness from uh, the regulators in, in various industries. And now with Biden uh, at the helm, it, it, it seems like the regulators are getting more stringent uh, on the various industries. And so I thought that was an interesting change that I'm starting to see. Uh, and we're going to dig into all of that. But let's talk about the market today. You had the S&P. That was up 11 points, a very big comeback after a very weak opening uh, for the market. And we closed at the highs. It was really a strong reversal. You're starting to see volatility really pick up uh, recently, which is uh, of note. Uh, and that's their volatility intraday is what I'm saying. Uh, the volatility to the downside or upside is uh, actually pretty nil. It's kind of been chopping back and forth, consolidating. Uh, if you look at the NYSE, for example, uh, it's really barely gone up over the past, let's see, three weeks since uh, the end of July. And that is telling me that we are are losing momentum, a bit of momentum here uh, in the markets. Not a death kneel, nothing to Get scared about, but uh, it is of note and very pretty interesting. Shift you had value outperforming uh, the growth side of the market as well, not dramatically, but uh, a minor shift there. Uh, so that's that's really what I saw today. Nothing really that exciting. Uh, more movement, I, I expect, in the back half of this month as we enter the Jackson Hole meeting. Uh, I believe that's next week. And that'll be an important uh, time frame for potential changes in monetary policy, which we'll get to here in a little bit. Now, we're heading into a quick break. Lisa from Pittsburgh, hang on. We'll be, you will be next here on Invest Talk.
0: Summer's moving fast. The Labor Day holiday is already on the horizon, and you can't afford to lose focus. So have your finance and investment questions ready and call Justin Klein now. Invest Talk,
1: 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Lisa. She's in Pittsburgh looking at JLL, which is Jones Lang LaSalle, one of the largest commercial real estate companies uh, in the world. Do you own it or looking to buy it?
0: I'm looking to buy it. I don't have any real estate in my portfolio. And um, I was wondering if it would be good for a long term hole and what's a good buy in.
1: Okay. Uh, well, when you say you're looking to add real estate to your portfolio, you know, this is a bit different. It, it, it is in the real estate industry, uh, but it provides services to owners and occupiers and investors worldwide, leasing. Uh, property management, project management, capital market advisory, et cetera. They have an investment management arm. So certainly related to real estate, but not directly so, right? They don't own real estate in and of itself. They they profit from the transactions uh, of real estate for the most part. So what made you kind of move in this direction as opposed to maybe owning a REIT or a home builder if you're looking for real estate exposure?
0: Well, I was thinking that um, the services side would be more stable given the economy and um, you know, we may or may not have a, a downturn. So I, I thought the services might be more stable than the actual property.
1: Okay, well, I, that's certainly true. I would say that uh, there's, there's certainly more consistency to their business, uh, their profitability, their cash flows than a lot of the the, the REITs or the uh, the home builders. And so you're you're right in that sense. Now, the bigger question is: is it profitable enough? Even though it's consistent, is it profitable enough to make it worthwhile? And if you are trying to get exposure for as a, to real estate as an inflation hedge, is it the best way to go? There's, there obviously will be uh, some connection there because uh, the higher lease rates, the, the more money they make, et cetera, uh, the higher purchase prices they make, et cetera. And so that's certainly good for, for them. Uh, when you look at valuation, you're, trying to, you're looking at the enterprise value EBIT of 12 which historically, this is near the high end of its range. 2014 was the last time it traded kind of up here at these levels. So it's certainly not cheap. And and you can see that just from the chart where it's really, really powered higher here from about $80, the low of the pandemic. Now we're at $244 a share. From a technical perspective, it's certainly in an uptrend, uh, but I'm starting to see some some near term weakness, uh, and I don't love the valuation, and I also don't love the profitability longer term. Over the last decade, the return on equity has been somewhere around ten percent, which is okay, but it's certainly not exciting. Um, so, to me, I just kind of give it a shrug. I don't love it. It's not my. I'm not a huge fan of of this name. Um, I do like the consistency of its cash flows, but it's just not cheap enough uh, for me, especially consider uh, where it's at from a valuation perspective, a multiple perspective. So I'm going to pass on Joan langs Lasalle. I actually like a lot of the home builders a lot better if you're looking for real estate exposure. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we like to thank them for their courtesy to get their questions get to their questions quickly so here's a few from our itunes reviewers silverside says what are your thoughts on pfizer well pfizer certainly has benefited from their their covid vaccine uh they're working on booster shots and whether you think that's a a good thing or not uh it's probably a good thing for their their business now this has rallied dramatically from a low of 33 all the way to uh, 49 and change today. So uh, it's not cheap. Earnings are expected to be three dollars and fifty one cents next year versus four dollars and two cents this year, and that just shows the uh, strong increase in profits that the vaccines have uh, that they've done for for Pfizer. But the question is. How sustainable is that? And I'm going to say probably not that sustainable unless you have other variants emerge that they develop booster shots for, etc. So I'm going to say you missed the boat. It's moved too fast, too far, uh, and is expensive right here. KC59 says, hey, Stephen, Justin, I have a small Playboy position. Your thoughts? Well, I still like Playboy. They had earnings last last week, uh, and it was... I think better. the news was better than expected. The market didn't react well to it. Um, uh, but to me, it's just more opportunity to buy more. They doubled their revenue guidance from 300 million in 2025 to 600 million. Their earnings missed, but by uh, EBITDA by 200,000, which is basically nothing. And a lot of the "Quote unquote negative earnings was uh, was non were non cash items, um, write off expenses, things like that. In regards to some of their recent acquisitions, which I think have been very good. So to me, this is just a more opportunity. <laughs> I love it. There you listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein for investors. The need to remain vigilant never ends. So that's why I'm here taking your questions here live at eight 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 ninety nine chart.
0: Now, maybe more than ever, you've got to optimize your portfolio investments. To do that, you'll need the right information and a planning strategy adjusted for your situation. And the InvestTalk phone lines are open now. 888-99-CHART.
1: Now my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Is the Fed getting ready to taper bond purchases in September? Now, we see growing inflation pressures at the wholesale level uh, and unexpected economic data that have opened the door for the Fed to make a policy change. Now, the shifting policy views because of this data uh, means that the Federal Reserve could announce as soon as next month a decision to taper its asset purchases and begin a reduction in buying Uh, a a month or so after that. So announcing it in September and starting it in October or November. And this is an interesting shift as of late because of the Fed meeting just a couple weeks ago. Basically, that was dovish. And over the past two weeks, you've had Fed governors Christopher Waller, Fed President Eric Rosengrant, Robert Kaplan, and Jim Bullard, all publicly back September taper announcement. And what's interesting about this is that these groups, the, the group of Fed officials that are discussing it are known more to be doves than hawks. They're not typically ones to get out there and pound the table for rate tightening or QE uh, reduction, etc. And so it hints strongly that the majority of the board is going to look to reduce bond purchases in some way because of this stronger-than-expected inflation data and the fact that even forecasts remain high into next year for inflation. And this is different than the transitory verbiage that really has been bandied about for most of the summer. And there's been a shift in... Expectations in the market. In July, most people or most investors in the CNBC Fed survey said that tapering would start in January. Now, as of last week, that is now September. That's the new consensus. So Remember, that's always built into the market. A lot of people always wonder, well, this happened, and and this is what you should – when they announce the decision, this is what you should expect. Uh Uh-uh. The market is going to start to price this in as we get closer and closer to it. And what I think will seal the deal is Jackson Hole here uh, next week. And they're going to hint at it again. They're not going to announce anything, but they're certainly going to hint at a potential change. To policy, and this is after not only the inflation data but the jobs data, adding more than nine hundred thousand jobs in July, upwardly revising May and June, and forecasts for continued strength because of the roll off of unemployment benefits and more and more people taking jobs, and even Powell saying that the Delta variant does not pose much risk to the economy. Just a couple weeks later is what he's saying, from what he said last time, just just at the last Fed meeting. So. And that's certainly true, right? They're, they're, the, the Delta variant, uh, while maybe concerning in certain areas, uh, for the vast majority of the country, it hasn't been, meant a whole lot. And there really hasn't been any economic restrictions that it's created either, at least mandated ones. So these officials have been openly talking about this tapering and they're likely to continue with it, especially since there hasn't been a lot of volatility in the stock or bond market because of that. And that's what their ultimate goal is, is how to how to conduct monetary policy. Uh, I think they would like to do it in a conservative nature, but they also don't want to do it to a point where they're creating market volatilities. That's their ultimate goal now. It's not, they're not, it's not maximum employment. Uh, it, it's not inflation. It's the markets. Let's be real here, okay? Uh, and so, as long as you see no upsets in the markets, they're likely to commence uh, sometime later this year. And the big question is, how do they taper? Now, is it, they're doing 120 billion dollars a month today? Uh, that's uh, it's a lot of money. You're roughly uh, roughly a trillion and a half per per year run rate. Uh, do they? Cut that by five million, five billion a month, ten billion a month. How? What's what's their path toward that? And this will also open up the talk of rate hikes, which market still doesn't expect until late next year or early twenty twenty three. So even though there's been tapering talk within the markets and and bringing that expectation forward, there still has not been a change in. Rate expectations going out a year and a half or so. So uh, I think that's where you'll see a lot more potential volatility if that starts to shift as well. Now, do we have time for one more caller? No. no? Okay. I guess we. I guess, I guess we don't. But after the break, what I want to get to is the the, the proxy uh, proxy fights on boards. What that means for the uh, various companies and what their what the, what this could mean for the 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 market as a whole, indexes and energy policy. That's really the main crux of all this: is what happens with the environmental impact that these votes are going to have, uh, positively for the environment, but maybe negatively negatively for our energy uh, consumption trends and and uh, supply and what that could mean over the next decade or so. So we're going to touch on that. Now, next in Best Talk, the story behind this headline. Employers have no return to office plans in place for one-third of remote workers. The resurgence of COVID-19 cases is casting uncertainty on future plans yet again, including the return to offices. For now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Duncan from New York. Quick question from a follow up phone call that I actually called you guys about a couple of months ago. I asked about stock, P-L-Y-A, Playa Hotels and Resorts. I was hoping this would kind of be a good reopening stock play. I bought it at $7.04. It is now $6.84. You guys gave me some good advice, basically saying it would, you know, take a gamble. Uh, Currently, right now, would you suggest I kind of get out, uh, take my losses? It didn't really go up as high as I thought it would. Looking forward
1: to the answer on the podcast. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, looking at Playa Hotels and Resorts. Well, the, the fact that you're down doesn't mean that you automatically jump ship. Uh, and you're not down, uh, it doesn't sound too dramatically. Uh, and technically, it, it looks looks okay. Uh, it's been pulling back from its 52-week high back in March of uh, $8 in change, but it, it's bouncing around here on the 200-day moving average. Now, the negative is it's hit it uh, a few times or gotten close to hitting it uh, now three times. And the more it hits a support level like that, the, the better chance it has to to fail. Um, but I like that it is, operates 23 resorts uh, in Mexico, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, these are areas that are certainly more lax when it comes to to COVID, and uh, you know I've been to Mexico uh, since COVID twice, um, so uh, I, I know how that works. And and they it's pretty busy down there, and they're they're doing pretty well. Now I don't know about I'll never stayed at a Playa a resort, I don't think, uh, but uh, they have brands like Hyatt and Hilton and Jewel Resorts, etc. So I like where you're where you're looking. There's still a, a strong uptick in quality. Of or, or the demand for the for leisure trips as opposed to uh, business, so I like that. Uh, the problem with this name is that historically it just has relatively poor profitability, so I don't like that. Uh, and it continues to dilute shareholders. 13 million shares outstanding in 2015, now 149 million, and so that's my biggest issue there. You. you share count has gone up 10x in six years yeah so th- those are my reasons I would sell it um, not because you're down just because you're down you know a lot of people are down over a short period of time you're never gonna buy the exact bottom um, and technically it's okay but fundamentally I just don't like this name um, I like what you're looking at in the sense of, of leisure uh, and the location uh but historically because of that la- that poor profitability and the fact that you're just getting diluted it kills me. I want companies that are buying back shares or at the bare minimum have the flat number of shares outstanding over x number of years. Not going up 10x. So you're just getting diluted, I would sell it, I would move on, find a better name. Thanks for the call. 88899 chart 889924278. Now what's interesting uh, about a recent trend in the market uh, an unexpected and unintended consequence of the rise of index funds has been the giant massive voting power of the large index firms the black rocks of the world which own uh, you know the ishares vanguards of the world state street those are the three largest index etf mutual fund providers uh, in the world. Collectively, they they hold nearly 20% of the S&P as of the end of March of this year. Think about that. Just those three companies control the voting power of 20% of the S&P. And they are among the largest shareholders of many of the S&P 500 companies. Now, BlackRock itself... Withheld support for 10% of board of directors on company shareholder ballots. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you do not get the majority vote uh, for uh, being re-nominated to the board, you have to excuse yourself. If you don't get 80%, then there is often a a, a re-vote and a discussion. And it allows you to be vulnerable were being kicked off the board. And BlackRock also backs 64% of environmental proposals, up from 11% the previous year. So clearly, that's an increasing focus for them. Earlier this year, BlackRock, Vanguard, and California Pensions joined together in backing descendant directors for the, one of the largest companies in the world, ExxonMobil. So pushing out those that aren't there to support climate change uh, or or fighting climate change. And so COVID-19 also pushed a lot of criticism for boards and their lack of oversight because of what's happened with supply chains and uh, workforce uh, problems and just inability to navigate the economic changes that happened because of the pandemic. And this is becoming more of an issue, especially uh, in, in a time where indexing has become almost government mandated. Think of what is called the QDIA, which are default investment options for 401ks. For the vast majority of those QDIAs, they are indexes because of the rules around uh, fees and and what can be picked and put on the plans for uh, these companies and these 401ks. And so there's been pushback. Two Republican senators expressed concern that BlackRock and State, State Street were emphasizing their CEOs' personal policy views over what was best for retirees. Now, what's interesting is that they will say that they are there to only cast votes for to maximize shareholder value. Really, though? I don't think that's the case. And they're starting to get more aggressive. BlackRock's new head of investment stewardship said it's clearly backing shareholder proposals are no longer a tool of last resort, meaning it's not what you go with at the the very end of all these other things that they try. It's almost the first resort is changing board seats, really pushing for initiatives on boards that change the dynamics of leadership. And this is, I think, just the start. And you can view this as a good thing or a bad thing, but it certainly will impact profitability and attractiveness of various companies. For example, energy. If you want to invest in energy, do you want to be invested in companies that are transitioning from oil and natural gas? And will that be more profitable if they do that, going from oil and natural gas to greener energy? Or is it more profitable to stay in what is a very historically profitable business of oil and natural gas? So something to consider, especially when you're looking at energy companies. Now, we get all kinds of questions here on Talks. Some are about stock picks. Others about Term definitions, market dynamics, or different types of investment vehicles. Let's play one now.
0: Hi, Stephen Justin. I have a question. I've been contributing to a 403B and I don't feel super comfortable contributing to like a generic index at this time and I was wondering, can I take out the money because it was a Roth 403B? Can I take out that money
1: for a business? Thanks for your time. Bye. Uh no, that unfortunately you cannot. Uh, Unless you change jobs or the provider is changed. So, for example, your company switches from John Hancock to Fidelity. Okay, If you do that, then you can roll that into an IRA. And then you have more options, pretty much unlimited. Then you don't have to invest in an index fund. Another thing you can do is press your HR department. Remember, your HR department, they have a fiduciary duty to you, the beneficiary of that 401k. So if you feel you're not being served the right investment options, the best investment options, then you can actually go to them and... Potentially, you could sue them. It's not saying you should, but no, that is that is a potential option. There are plenty of lawsuits out there uh, from employees suing the employer for breach of their fiduciary duty. And so you can, you should pressure them if you don't feel you have the right investment options, enough investment options. And you can go about it that way. Now, the easiest way is to roll it out into a 401k or a Roth, sorry, roll it out into an IRA or in this case, a Roth IRA. And then you can invest in whatever you want. Now, you said, can you invest it in a business? Well, that becomes even more complex, uh, self directed. Uh, There are some rules around that and and complexities that I I usually don't recommend. Um, You certainly can do it. Uh, but that becomes uh, a bigger issue. So the first thing would be pressure your 403B provider or your HR department. Uh, the next would be to roll it into a, a Roth IRA. If you can, if you change jobs or they change providers. Now we're heading, uh, we're halfway past the point, the halfway point of August. And third quarter is moving fast. We're in the back half of the third quarter now. And We've seen a little bit of intraday volatility, nothing that's stuck, but we're also heading into what looks like to be a tapering initiative by the Fed. What type of volatility is that going to bring in the coming months? Is your portfolio prepared? Are you prepared? So if you're ready to get a second opinion on your situation, you need some guidance of some type, we are here. We're here to remind you that here at Invest Talk and at our company, KPP Financial, we operate with the same philosophy independent thinking and shared success. Meaning we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, as well as practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients' portfolios. So if you want to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting, just go to investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial offices in Irvine, California at 800. 800- 557-5461 with like to talk in any way we can help you we would love to do that as well so don't hesitate to reach out now steve Peasley and i thank you for listening to and downloading a best talk you must be telling your friends about us and we're just at that 34 million download level so we're excited and we thank you all for for listening next up we will play a question from a listener in utah
2: our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on InvestTalk.com.
1: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Paul calling from Leighton, Utah. So I have a question about an ETF. The ticker symbol is KWEB. I'm wondering if that's a good investment right now. I look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you. Bye. All uh, right. This is KWeb. This is the Crane Shares CSI Chinese Internet ETF. Uh, and the answer is simply absolutely not. Uh, there is so much going on in China and crackdown on these uh, these Chinese Internet companies that uh, the trend remains down. You hit support uh, a couple weeks ago. We bounced, and it was a clear dead cat bounce. didn't do much at all. And today we closed right near, yeah, near the, the lowest levels in years. And so uh, this remains in a downtrend. Uh, I don't love the names within It, it has a high expense ratio. Uh, I think there's more downside, especially in the short to medium term. Now, if you have a long, long, long term time horizon and you have trust in the uh, political stability in China, both internally as well as externally with us here in the U.S., for example, uh, then sure, (laughs) it's much, much cheaper than it was uh, late last year or early this year when it hit uh, over $104 a share. Now we're at $46 a share. I still think there's another probably 30 40 50% downside from here. So I'm not touching this thing with a 10-foot pole. It's shown me nothing that tells me it's going to reverse any time soon. So I'm just going to pass on K-Web. Uh, looks like a much better short than a buy. Now let's pivot to another iTunes review question. This one from, uh, I can't pronounce them, Shar? Michael Shar? Uh, will the stock AMD continue to stay healthy in the current environment? Now, uh, AMD, uh, I've said this before, they, they've certainly gained on Intel and are, from a technological standpoint, uh, somewhat on par with their, their chips and their processors. And their business has boomed, made $0.10 cents a share in 2017. This year is supposed to make $2.45 a share, $3.02 a share next year. Uh, but it is trading at very, very high multiples compared to uh, its peers and to its historical profitability and revenue. Enterprise re- value to revenue is 10 times, which is uh, not extreme, uh, but certainly in the upper end of uh, expensive. And outside of late last year, it hasn't been this expensive ever. So I'm, I am I, think their business will do, do fine. Uh, but The chip industry is notoriously volatile, and I just don't like it at these valuations. You really have to believe that AMD is not only going to stay in the realm of the technological savviness and ability of Intel, but probably surpass it. Intel has much higher install base, revenue, uh, etc., and it's much, much cheaper. So you have to believe that it's gonna surpass it. And I don't see that quite yet. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and we're going into our final break. So if you're gonna call, you wanna do it now at 800, sorry, 888 chart
0: The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze
1: quiz. Let's go to Sid in Canada looking at Alibaba.
0: Hi, Justin. Good evening.
1: You looking to buy Alibaba or do you own it?
0: I have a small positions when it was almost down and one of the so uh, I mean there was a generic feedback from uh, Steve that Chinese companies not every Chinese companies but a couple of these big uh, ticker symbol they are at the bottom so I, I, I picked up the small quantity but I'm thinking that they have gone further down though, I also generally, generally don't like Chinese company, but what is your opinion about BABA or Baidu? Uh, should we get into that, or we should completely avoid
1: them? Well, this just goes back to the last caller, which is K-Web, and uh, I believe Alibaba is, let's see, are they the largest position in K-Web? Let me take a look here real quick. Uh, but the general sense is, yeah, uh, I would avoid it. Uh, Alibaba is the second largest, right behind Tencent, and... Uh, Baidu is the seventh largest of uh, holding in K-Web. So all of these names, uh, once again, are in a downtrend. Uh, There's a lot more scrutiny from Chinese government. And what I actually think is happening here is this is the U.S. saying, hey, we are going to force these companies to have proper accounting, uh, just like our companies, not within the the within china and only by chinese auditors etc uh we're going to have the exact same rules uh, and i think it was a negotiation it said well let's let us get in front of it right it's a lot easier for china to to handle this internally than for us to go in there and force these companies to really be above board with their accounting practices And that's what I think is happening here. So until the dust settles on all of this, I I would not touch these names. I think they're probably much better shorts than they are purchases. So uh, I'm selling – I would sell every share of a Chinese company I own uh, until this dust settles and there's more clarity on the books – of these companies, what their business is, uh, and there's final, final capitulation. And I don't think we're there yet. We have not seen that uh, massive volume, massive headlines, etc. cetera. Uh, it still just continues to trickle lower, and that's why I would continue to pass. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, let's get to a, a recent announcement by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. This is a probe that was made public today, and it's showing that there's more scrutiny over driver assistant technologies, uh, which have largely been given kind of free reign over the market. Now, they have identified 11 crashes since early 2018 in where Tesla vehicles had been using autopilot that struck one or more vehicles involving emergency response situations. Now, this is obvious what happened if you know, if you understand these systems. Tesla heavily relies on cameras. There's a thing called LIDAR, which a lot of uh, a lot of people say you can't have full self-driving unless you have LIDAR, meaning lasers sensing the things that are around you. Uh, and basically Elon and Tesla said, we don't need that. We got cameras. Cameras are just fine. Well, you know, uh, if you've ever been, say, at night and somebody has their their brights on and it flashes in your face, how much can you see? Not a lot. It pretty much blinds you. Well, guess what? Cameras on a vehicle or anything else are the exact same thing. And so it's no coincidence that these crashes are in regards to emergency vehicles with their emergency lights on that are bright, that are spinning, that are easy, can easily blind a camera. And so the big question now is what ultimately comes out of these investigations? Now, Autopilot has been sold as this extra feature, $10,000 extra, I don't know the price, various prices throughout the years, but it's never been delivered on. Are they going to require Tesla to refund that money? Are they going to do a recall? How are they going to handle this? And I think this is uh, probably the the biggest near-term risk for uh, Tesla and anything related to the auto driving systems that sell into the large OEMs, so let me continue to watch, uh, and uh, I think this is a long time coming, it shows that these regulators are getting, are putting more scrutiny on companies in various ways, uh, and I think it's, in a lot of ways it's a good thing, there's been a lot of companies getting a lot, away with a lot uh, over the last decade or so, very laissez-faire uh, and that's put a lot of lives at risk and, and lost a lot of lives as well. So this is, a, I think, a, a good thing coming. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. I encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. Now, almost 34 million. You can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as InvestTalk.com. And your positive reviews raise our profile and help spread the word and. If you leave a brief question within your rating, we'll prioritize your answer. You can browse by topic over Invest Talk as well if you'd like. 401k, health savings account, precious metals, whatever is on your mind, I'm sure we have an episode title for you. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night.
2: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing.